As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yo, yo, welcome to another post-game edition of the Forum Club. I am your host, Jovan Buha, Lakers beat writer for The Athletic. Tonight, Monday night, the Lakers defeated the Cleveland Cavaliers 115-108 to improve to a league-best 14-4, a league-best 10-0 away from Staples Center, and 3-0 on this current seven-game road trip. Uh, The story of the game was LeBron James, who had an absolutely ridiculous, absurd, incredible, awesome... uh, you can't have enough superlatives for this game. 46 points on 19 of 26 shooting. He missed seven shots. Uh, I, I should have had this prepared. I'm about to do the math right here. 19 divided by 26 is something like 70, 73.1%. So just an incredible, uh, again, performance from LeBron. 19 of 26 shooting, 7 of 11 on threes. Only one for two from the free throw line. Only only took uh, two attempts on a night. The the Lakers shot 28 free throws. So it was a high free throw night, but only two from LeBron. But he he didn't need to go to the rim or, or, you know, draw fouls. He was hitting everything. Uh, You know, had 21 points in the fourth quarter. Had 17 in the first. So that right there, 38 points, uh, you know, across the beginning and end of the game. This was, you know, not only his best game of the season, uh, but but I, I think this goes up there with one of LeBron's best games ever uh, from, from a scoring standpoint, only because, again, to have 46 points on 26 shots is just absurd. Uh, you know, to, to hit some of the shots he was hitting. I mean, he was hitting uh, fadeaways in, in front of the Cavs bench and uh, pull-up threes and, and step backs and all that. Like, he, he was just on fire. And, uh, again, that efficiency of 46 points on 26 shots, only missing seven shots. You know, usually when you have a 46-point game, you're taking at least 30, 35 shots, and, and you're maybe making half of them, maybe slightly more if you're having a good night. But for LeBron to score, you know, to make 73% of his shots on, on 26 shots, to, to make seven threes, he's now up to 41.2% uh, three-point shooting this season, which is a career best. Uh, surpassing his 2012-13 season in Miami when when he shot 40%. So, I mean, it's just, to me right now, if there was any doubt about it, uh, you know, we, we can debate this, but 
I think LeBron is hands down the MVP. He's had two MVP caliber performances uh, on this trip alone, you know, two, two of the last three games. The first Milwaukee game with 34 points, took it to Giannis, took it to the Bucks. Lakers won that game. Uh, now this game against the pesky Cavs team. You know, I think one of the other takeaways from this game was this Cleveland team, it, it, this isn't a fluke. Like, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. I, I would still probably wager that they won't, uh, you know, but, and they're a rebuilding team. So you got to think maybe at some point in the season that they start looking towards the future and, and the lottery. And, um, you know, the, there's been some reports and rumors about them potentially trading Andre Drummond or JaVale McGee or, uh, you know, and kind of showcasing Jared Allen more and, and making him the starting center. So we'll, we'll see what ends up happening with, with this Cleveland team. But I, I was very impressed, you know, that they were pesky, uh, that they, they didn't go away. They crashed the offensive glass, had 15 offensive rebounds. Now, I know a lot of that was Andre Drummond, who had seven of those, but, you know, got to the free throw line 22 times. Uh, you know, Chetty Osman had 20 points. Colin Sexton had 17. Uh, Drummond had 25 and, and 17 rebounds. Uh, like, you know, Darius Garland on a minutes restriction had uh, 11 points on the bench. Like, I, I was impressed with this Cleveland team. Like, they are better than I thought. I hadn't really seen much of them this season. And I, I walked away impressed. Again, I don't know if I'm going to pick them to make the playoffs. They're, they're eight and nine now, uh, you know, still in the playoff mix in the East. But uh, this team is not, you know, entering the season, I thought they were going to be a bottom five, if not bottom three team, uh, if not arguably the worst team in the league. And that's just clearly not the case. So uh, this to me had a, you know, the game, I guess, the transition into the game. Although I, I do want to, you know, say like LeBron, he's the MVP to me. Uh, I think it's just, hands down. Uh, I know some guys might have better advanced stats. Uh, he's only averaging 25 points a game where I, you know, I think he probably has to get that up to like 27 ish to, uh, really cement his claim on the MVP. But you know, Lakers have the best record in the league. AD had 17 points tonight, five of 16 shooting. Uh, you know, he, he has been up and down offensively has not been the AD we're accustomed to seeing, especially on the offensive end. So I think, you know, LeBron has ended up being the best player on the team in, in, in more games than not, in, in, in more games than AD. So this isn't a situation where, you know, sometimes when you have a, a superstar co-star, that works against you where, you know, your performances are close. Uh, but I, I think there's been a bigger gap between LeBron and AD this season than last season, honestly. And, you know, we, we know LeBron finished second and, and um, you know, had a good chance to, to win the MVP if the season hadn't been postponed. So... Uh, you know, before I transition to the game, like I just want to say a masterful performance from LeBron. Uh, it was jaw dropping some of the shots he, w- he was making and taking. And um, I think just, you know, an incredible performance that to me makes him the MVP front runner, undoubtedly, if he wasn't already. But to transition into the game, this reminded me of those Memphis San Antonio uh, down to the wire games earlier in the season where, you know, the, the, the Lakers, they had stretches in these games where they were dominant. And, you know, it was clear, like, okay, there's a big talent gap between these teams. And, you know, they don't have an answer for LeBron, who was a, uh, I don't know off the top of my head, I, I, I got to dig into this, but had to have had at least five or six baskets in transition. Uh, and, and, you know, the Lakers had 13 fast break points. So, um, you know, I, I would guess he had at least 10 of those, uh, you know, just a, a one man fast break uh, at times in this game. And uh, it, but, you know, there was also stretches where the, the Lakers were dominated and, uh, you know, Cleveland attacked Marcus Gasol early. 
got him uh, three fouls in the first three minutes. And then from that point on, Andre Drummond uh, just bludgeoned Montrez Harrell, Anthony Davis, Markeith Morris, Kyle Kuzma, LeBron, like whoever was in in the paint and, and you know on the Lakers front line, they, they were just getting you know hammered by by Drummond and um, their guards crashing you know the the offensive glass. Uh, Jared Allen also had uh, three offensive rebounds. I mean, they were, they were running some two center lineups where the Lakers were going with like. Trez and Keefe or, or Trez and LeBron or, or Trez and Kuz. And it's like, you know, you got two six seven six nine guys out there versus two legit seven-footers at times. You know, they, they ran Drummond, JaVale, uh, 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 JaVale, Jared Allen, uh, Allen, Drummond. Like, you know, they were platooning those, you know, uh, three seven-footers. And it kind of messed with the spacing, but it, it also gave them an advantage in the paint. Uh, they outscored the Lakers sixty to fifty-two in the paint. They uh, both both teams, you know, were successful on the offensive glass. Kuz had six offensive rebounds, uh, which I didn't realize. Like I, I would have guessed like three, uh, three or four, but he, he had six, eight rebounds overall. Uh, so, so both teams actually, uh, you know, the, the Lakers only lost the rebounding battle by four, uh, forty-four to forty, with, with both teams getting uh, fifteen offensive rebounds. It's rare you see a team. Uh, two teams rather not reach 30 defensive rebounds you know it, it's usually usually hit that 30 defensive rebound mark but uh but both teams shot the ball you know fairly well and um it, it was a lower possession game but to me i mean there were some concerning things in this game this was not on paper a bad matchup for marcus soul but you did see you know the drummond matchup was not good for him and a team with length and size and athleticism bothered him where you know we knew that the teams that play five out and go smaller and have mobile bigs bigs who can shoot bigs who can put the ball on the floor like those guys are going to give mark some some trouble but we also saw it now where just a, a team with a physical specimen like andre drummond where uh you know he does have some empty calorie things and he's not the best defender but he, he can score uh you know 25 points was the second most points uh, scored in this game and, and he can rebound and, and he could post you up and he could take you off the dribble and and he did that several times tonight so uh you know i would say from the mark side that was a little concerning lakers did not shoot the ball that well from from deep they started five of ten and went five of 22 rest of the way uh you know lebron was really the only guy at seven for 11 to shoot the ball well markeith morris went one for one but everybody else was 33 percent or worse highlighted by kcp at one for eight you know, AD, 5 of 16 shooting. Like, you want to see more from him. He did make up for that with 7 to 9 free throw shooting, 3 steals, 3 blocks, uh, including a big block uh, on Drummond, uh, you know, with a couple minutes left. So AD, I think, despite him continuing to settle for jumpers and not necessarily take the best shots, I thought his defensive performance with the 3 steals, playing the passing lanes, being active and engaged with the 3 blocks, including a couple on Drummond, he did change the game defensively. And ultimately, the Lakers won this game both because of LeBron's heroics and their defense. You know, like they finally started to get stops, uh, rebound the ball, play the style of play we're accustomed to for the most part. And AD is the captain of that. And AD is their best defender and and their most impactful defender. And, you know, people are going to look at the 17 points on 16 shots and, you know, was not efficient, was not a good offensive performance by any means. He was really bothered by the length of JaVale, of Jared Allen, of Andre Drummond. The Cavs play a swarming defense. They, They were always around AD 
always two or three bodies around him and guys you know didn't make shots like he still had four assists and he's that easily could have been seven or eight with some of the kickout passes that guys just didn't make so you know maybe in an alternate universe the the lakers make a few more threes and we're looking at like a 17 10 and an eight performance from ad and talking about how he almost had a triple double with those three steals and blocks so i think 80s performance from a a shot making and shot quality perspective was not good and it's something that the lakers are going to have to figure out because he's not gonna be playing chicago in chicago every every single night so they got to figure out you know what are different ways to get him involved what are different ways to keep him engaged offensively but before we can continue this episode is brought to you by Michelob ultra the official beer sponsor of the nba want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. I thought Montrezl Harrell had some good minutes, uh, 15 points, a team best, plus 18. Uh, he, he had three offensive rebounds. He, he did a good job, had a putback dunk, had some putbacks. Uh, it was it was in the cutting well and in the dunker spot and diving well and I thought he though he did get exploited and this was you know this is overall kind of a concerning matchup I would say for the bigs specifically Mark and Trez where uh, you know they basically went up against three long athletic seven footers and did not fare well Uh, now most teams don't have the size that Cleveland has and aren't going to throw out two seven footers Uh, but it, it was a little bit like you know like Trez was helpless against Andre Drummond Andre Drummond scored on him multiple times uh, JaVale had a hook shot on him. Jared Allen like get, getting offensive rebounds. Like those guys exploited the fact that he's six foot seven and they have five or six inches on him uh, plus some hops. So I think from that perspective, it was a little concerning. I guess if you're the Lakers, uh, something that they're going to have to scheme for, adjust for, and, and you know definitely make sure in matchups like this you have multiple guys cracking back and crashing the glass because. Uh, you know, that might affect your transition offense, but if you're not getting the rebound and they're getting second, third opportunities or even scoring, that's going to affect your transition anyway. So I think there are certain matchups where Lakers have to adjust their defensive game plan. And, and this is going, this was one, and, and this will be something they learned from where, um, you know, I think they could have done a, a better job of, of gang rebounding and, and having the guards and, and wings really uh, crash and box out and, and just have multiple bodies in the paint. Uh, that that weren't you know always there. So uh, you know THT got a DMP. Uh, you know so after Markeith didn't play last game against Chicago, Frank talked about it before the game that he went to Markeith. Uh, Markeith was cool with it. He understood. He, he told him, "Hey, we, we need to find THT some minutes. So you're going to sit this one out." Uh, Lakers went back to the ten man rotation without THT. Uh, went to the lineup a meh, and uh, it, it was it, it was actually decent. It was a plus seven in two and a half minutes in the first quarter. I don't know what it was the rest of the game. I'll have to look into that. But I thought it was okay. I mean, you saw like it, you need LeBron to go supernova for that lineup to be good, and LeBron went supernova, so it worked out. But it, it is something that I think ultimately the Lakers should eliminate from the rotation. I think you need Caruso or THT out there as a second ball handler and playmaker uh, or, you know, bring in Dennis or, or Mark or you got to tweak something. I, I don't think you can continue to just run that lineup out there. But, you know, Frank is, is clearly going to, to do that uh, until otherwise, um, you know, or, or unless 
you know, Keith comes out of the, the rotation. Uh, like we didn't see that lineup in the uh, Chicago game because Keith didn't play, but it, it is something to, to monitor. But I think it's it's looking a little bit better uh, and kind of finding shots and, and spots for LeBron. But let, let's get into the Q&A portion here uh, of the show. Posted it on Twitter, taking questions. If you guys are listening to this, if you ever have any questions post game, definitely make sure to ask me. From Wells P, uh, friend of the pod. Uh, what's up, Wells? Uh, trying to figure out who said something to LBJ at the end of the third from the seats. Now, that is a good transition. Uh, so during the third quarter, Le- LeBron had an exchange with someone in the crowd. It was tough to tell who it was or where exactly they were sitting. But post game, LeBron said that that back and forth uh, which did help fuel his 21-point fourth quarter. He, he said it did have an impact. Uh, was a member of the of the Cavs front office, uh, someone he, he knows. And he said they, they didn't necessarily talk trash to him or, or say something to upset him, but they were just celebrating a little bit too much. They were a little too excited after he missed a shot late in the third. And, and he said that that got him going, that that was that final uh, kind of kick for, for him to go off for 21 points in, in the fourth. So... Uh, you know, I, I think th- I mean, that, that was funny. He, he wouldn't divulge who it was. He, he was asked multiple times by, by multiple people uh, who, who it was, and he, he wouldn't give an initial. He, he wouldn't give any inclination of, of who it was. But, um, you know, my, it seems that the speculation of the Internet is Kobe Altman, the Cavaliers uh, general manager, who was there when, when LeBron was in Cleveland uh, previously. But I, I don't know. I think, you know, LeBron said, if you look at the footage, you, you can figure it out. So I'm sure someone... Uh, on the internet is going to do that. And maybe by the time this podcast is up, we'll, we'll have an answer. But uh, I think pe- people should know that uh, trash-talking LeBron or, or egging him on or just giving him any slight or motivation is not a winning strategy. And, and that was clearly proven. And, you know, maybe if that person doesn't do that. Who knows what LeBron does on the fourth? Maybe he doesn't go off like this. But uh, it, it was it was a, n- <laughs> a nice bit of, of post-game drama uh, to to kind of try to figure out who he was talking to, uh, my best guess would be Kobe Altman, given their their history. Uh, but I, I I don't know. I, I I didn't I didn't see where he was sitting. I, I didn't. I honestly missed the interaction. I just saw a bunch of people talking about it on Twitter, uh, and then you know it seemed like he he did have an extra pep in his step in the fourth. So I, I did figure there was some validity to that, and then he confirmed that post game. So I you know I, I'm I don't know, but I, I would I would guess based on uh, the the Twitter investigators, that it, it's probably Kobe Altman. This one from Nicole uh, Ganglani. Uh, I hope I said that right. How would you assess Vogel's performance in the season so far? I would give Frank an A, right? Like, I, I don't really know what there is to criticize with him. I think that aside from the lineup of Met, which I, I think people focus on a little bit too much because I I believe that lineup's only playing like six or seven minutes a night. And of course you want to maximize every minute, every possession, but you know, there are going to sometimes be due to, you know, rotation crunch due to internal politics and, and having to keep certain guys happy and, and play them certain minutes, which, which Vogel's kind of talked about, like he needs to find minutes for guys. And, and that has been a lineup where he's been able to find minutes, you know, specifically for guys like Markeith Morris and, uh, Wes Matthews, like if, if the worst criticism of Frank Vogel is that he's playing a 
meh lineup that that's a negative for five to six minutes a night or seven minutes a night like that to me is you know you you're you're doing the best you you know basically the best realistic possible job and and that's what he's doing i mean they're 14 and 4 they're they're 10 and 0 on the road so yes the the 4 and 4 thing at staples is weird they've lost a couple games that they shouldn't have lost I think they should have won the Portland game. I think they should have won the Golden State game. I think they should have won the San Antonio game. Uh, but but then you could also make the case there's, there's probably a couple games that they should have lost that they won. So maybe it evens out. I think they probably should have won like one more game, uh, maybe two. But e- even with that said, I think Vogel has done a good job of juggling the rotation. And I know fans want to see more THT. I, I know that's that's a big talking point. But again, if you're criticism or your your kind of one flaw is you're not playing a second year ball handler who has been a bit up and down i think overall has been a positive and, and produced and, and been productive but he's not been a, a no-brainer and he has struggled to shoot the ball and, and that i think you know when looking at the role the lakers are trying to put him in if he's not cutting and or shooting threes at a high level his role and potential is limited offensively so until he takes that next step or, or until the Lakers are willing to put him in the next step of having him be the primary ball handler more uh, with the second group, then I do think there's a cap to THT's role in minutes. And, you know, maybe there's enough minutes to, to get him in as the 11th guy, but you, you know, that is coming at the expense of an Alex Caruso, a Wes Matthews, a Kyle Kuzma, uh, a Dennis Schroeder, um, a, a KCP and, and all those guys have played well. So I, I don't really know, you know, to me, there isn't a guy uh, like you know. I'm trying to think. Like, I, you know, there isn't a guy who's who's necessarily playing over him who he's better than. Like, I guess West, but as I've said recently, I don't think it's an apples to apples comparison where you know West is in there for his floor spacing and his multi positional defense. Like, THT is more competing with Alex Caruso and Dennis, and I think you know. Maybe you know Dennis has had some struggles recently, but he's not going to be benched for THT. And then if you're saying you know Caruso versus THT, to me it's it's Caruso. So I don't really know where THT is going to find those minutes. Uh, but I do think it's something to, something to watch, something to monitor. But to go back to Frank's performance, I, I just I think it's been good. I, I mean the the team is winning. I think they're meeting, if not exceeding, expectations at this point. And I think you know I don't really have many criticisms for him at this point uh, again it's maybe eliminating that one lineup and finding some more minutes for THT but you know again if those are your two nitpicks then I think things are pretty good this one from John Pham at LA Lakers fan 88 pre-pandemic reporters would travel to each road game would you have been excited for a seven game trip the Lakers are on to mostly cold cities haha <laughs> uh that's a good question. I, I would be excited to be honest. Like I, I do, I like traveling. Uh, it, it became a, a habit for me, just, just something that was part of the job. And uh, it, it's it's been kind of weird because I, I think a lot of people who travel, uh, you know, people miss traveling for like vacation and, and for fun, but p- people who are work traveling, I think for the most part have, have kind of been uh, cool with not having to travel and, and, you know, being at home and spending time with, with their family or friends or uh, whoever they're living with or seeing or whatever. And for me, I think it, it would, it, it would have been a fun trip. Uh, you know, it, it's not the most fun cities, uh, but I, I, you know, 
I also think that the trip would have been a little different if this were, uh, you know, pre and or post pandemic, because I don't think they would have condensed it into as much time. I think there would have been an extra day or two, because if you look at kind of the stretch of the trip, it is pretty much almost like an every other day where, you know, that is more of a, a result because of the pandemic where they're condensing the schedule, trying to fit as many games in as they can. And I think, so I, I think this trip would have been a little bit longer, but by an extra day or two, uh, you know, maybe a couple um, off days between certain games. So that would have been nice, you know, depending on what city they gave us. Um, I wouldn't be excited for the Milwaukee, Chicago, Cleveland portion because those cities are just unbearable at this time of year. Uh, it would have been, you know, Boston would have been fun. Philadelphia would have been fun. Detroit, I I guess I would put in that that first. I mean, just the, the Midwest right now is not, is not a great place to be uh, in late January where it's, you know, the snowing and, and just ice and, and wind. And, uh, you know, so that would have been fun. But it, to me, it's fun to travel. And, um, you know, th- there are certain perks, like we get per diem on the road and, uh, so, you, you know, you're not necessarily paying for meals and you're Ubering places and, you know, it, it, it's just cool to see, to kind of parachute into different cities for a day, two days, three days, uh, you know, go, go to coffee shops, go to restaurants, go to the game, see what that environment's like, see what the fans are like, uh, and, and then go to the next one. So, uh, seven days would have been tough. I mean, it's tough to pack for two weeks and I tend to overpack with my clothes and, uh, all the products I bring. So. Uh, it, it would have been uh, it would have been tough space wise, but it, it definitely would have been a, a fun trip, I think. Uh, and then let's get to one last question here from Jake at I am Cohen Crazy. Have any of the players or team personnel made comments, expressed concern about playing in arenas with fans like Cleveland tonight? Surprisingly, no. Uh, I, I I thought that you know th- that would give me some pause. Like for example, if you know, to go back to the last question, if we were allowed to travel right now uh, and it was kind of same situation, but they're cool with the media traveling, as long as you get tested, you're allowed to attend games. Like, I don't know how comfortable I would feel attending some of these games with fans in the building. Like that to me w- would give me some concern. Now I would be sitting closer to the fans, you know, if not basically next to them, whereas the players have some space. And, you know, there's a bit of a gap. There's a social distance. You know, I, I don't know. Guessing it's each arena is different, but there's at least like 100 plus feet from the players and the fans. Now, you know, are things going to travel within the the arena and the ventilation and all that stuff? I don't know. But I, I would say like that would give me some pause. So I've been surprised that the fans, I mean, that the players and, and Frank Vogel have not really said anything negative. Uh, it's actually been positive where... Uh, LeBron uh, talking about playing in front of fans, I, I think it was in Memphis, I want to say, uh, said it was cool to, to be in front of fans again. Or no, it was Houston. It was Houston. Uh, he said it was cool to be in front of fans again and, and that it was nice and it, it gave him a boost. And you know, there, there were a lot of Laker fans in, in that game uh, in, in Houston. But uh, like that, that was a little surprising. I'm not going to lie. Like I, I get why it would give you some extra juice, uh, especially on the road where, where you know, the Lakers always have a, a lot of fans, but to me, it was something that I'd be a little bit concerned to, to have fans in the building. Like right now, of course, at some point, things are going to go back to normal. Everyone's going to have the vaccine or, you know, however they figure things out. But, uh, you know, for, for me, 
I, I thought that would be something that people, you know, you know, players would be concerned with because we've seen if you get close contact tracing or, you know, uh, contract COVID, you're going to miss multiple games, if not two, two weeks, two and a half weeks. So it's, it's a serious thing from that perspective where regardless of your feelings about COVID and the risk and, and how you would, you know, personally react, if you are a close contact or get it, you are going to miss multiple games and negatively affect your team. So that to me is, is more the concern of, um, you know, regardless of if you've had it before or what you think about it, like just the fact that is if you're near it or, or get it, like you, you're, you're out for a while. So that to me w- w- would kind of be the concern from a player perspective, but no one ha- has said that yet. Uh, you know, I, I know Utah has a big crowd, so maybe they'll say something around that time playing in Utah, but uh you know, that, that has been a, a bit of a surprise for me, uh, but but something that I would definitely be wary of if I was on the road or, or on the team. But uh, that will do it for tonight's podcast. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jovan Buha. It's at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. And uh, yeah, any questions, any uh, any responses, interactions with anything, uh, just feel free to reach out and I'll do my best to get back to you. So Thank you guys for listening, and I will talk to you later in the week after the Philly game.